viewing homework with Trey and Deb, and then the last three minutes is his discussion of homework for the next section. So there's about a 25-minute gap in between there that I cut out. So what I want you to do is you should have some blank pages in your notes. Just take some notes and be thinking about what's, what's he doing in the homework. As he's reviewing homework, what are his goals? What's he trying to accomplish with what he's doing? Um, and then as he's making assignments, again, what's, what's the objective? What's the purpose? What can I learn about assigning homework and, and the role that homework plays in counseling? Uh, I've just finished the supervision process myself for becoming a fellow with ACBC. And that's the thing. Tim Pasman was my supervisor. And wasn't he a sweetheart? Yeah. Oh, man. He's just become such a dear friend and uh, such a wise, gracious, humble, uh, clear teacher counselor. And uh, I'm just really thankful for, for Tim and grateful he could be here this weekend. But one of the things Tim was drove home to me repeatedly over and over and over and over was the centrality of homework. People change in homework. Um, the homework is the application of what you're teaching them in the counseling room. And it really drives what you're doing. So you want to be attentive to what's going on in the homework, what's the philosophy, what, what's he attempting to accomplish with that homework. So let's watch about 32 minutes, and then we'll take the last 25 minutes or so and talk through uh, some of the things that I think are going on in that session. Next session. So let me just start right there. And the first thing I'd written down was for both of you to bring your Bibles. And I see two Bibles here <laughs> plus mine. So we're off to a good start there. And I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles back uh, each week because we'll be using those. And you're welcome to lay them out here on the desk if you want to and or your notes, whatever. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I think I want to turn now to the uh, pamphlet, What to Do When Your Marriage Goes Sour. And I'd ask each of you to read it carefully and mark uh, 10 key sentences. Did you do that, Deb? Yes. Did you do that? Mm -hmm. All right. Good. Now, what I'd like us to do is uh, start at the beginning. And, uh, Deb, I think I'll start with you. Would you read the first sentence that you marked, and then I want you to comment on it. How did it speak to you? In what ways did you find it helpful? Uh, and then I may make some remarks about what you say, or I may not. Then we'll go to you, get your first sentence. And that way we'll kind of stay in the general flow of working through the pamphlet. And my goal will be uh, to use what you're learning from that pamphlet uh, to help you in thinking more biblically about marriage and about the issues being discussed. And so we'll just kind of work our way through it. All right. And if you have questions about any of the, the comments that are in there, you can feel free to ask. So would you get us started, please? Yes. Um, the first one that I have highlighted is uh, you will have to learn how to love one another. And uh, I have that highlighted because the word learn is in italics. It's emphasized there. And uh, I guess I just always thought that love was a feeling and that I didn't have control over that. I either felt it or I didn't. Mm -hmm. And what this is telling me is that I do have control over it and that I must seek after it. Mm -hmm. Very good. So. Yeah. Do you want me to yeah. go to the next one? Or? No, I'll just get your next one. Okay. Um, well, I, I kind of had uh, one right after that. Um, it was, uh, love is not feeling first before all. Right there at the, the bottom of the, the first page, before all else, it is a determination to do good for another because God has told you to do so. Love begins, therefore, with a desire to please God. Love toward another is a willingness to give to Him whatever you have that He needs because you know that God wants you to. And where true love exists, the feeling follows soon enough. Okay, now, why did, uh, some excellent uh, statements. And I'm glad both of you are marking some on that subject. How did, Tell me how those spoke to you. Well... Like Deb was saying, this is not how I've thought about love. And to understand that love is not first a feeling, um, that it's a determination to do good for someone else, not because that's just what I'm going to do, but because God's told me to do there that, that love begins with a desire to please God. 
um, I mean that's that's different um, that in loving Deb and doing things for her um, my motivation should be to please God and um, I've never thought about it right. like that okay now let's just pause uh, the, the sentences that you're marking uh, most people mark okay and I think it's one of the most helpful sections in the, the pamphlet we live in a culture where love is equated with feelings or sex right okay uh, I remember uh, one guy uh, was asked uh, you know what is love and he thought very philosophically for a moment and then he said love is a feeling you feel when you have a feeling you've never felt before <laughs> it's kind of gobbledygook right <laughs> Well, the scriptures are clear that biblical love is acting with another person's best interest in mind. Emotions are involved. Feelings are involved. But biblical love is primarily an action. Let me, let me see if I can prove this. Here's a verse you probably learned years ago when you attended a church. John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember that? Yeah. Or a verse we'll talk about later that talks about the role of a husband. It's a husband's love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh Biblical love is giving. Mm -hmm. Or the definition I like to use is biblical love is acting with another person's best interest in mind. You can choose to act loving even when you don't feel like it. So Mm -hmm. you can choose to act with somebody else's best interest when you don't feel like it. Now, it, Trey, in the section that you read, uh, go right. there's a definition of love. It says love is giving to another what they need that you have because God wants you to. Mm-hmm. Do you see that section? Yeah. Okay, I want you to mark that. I don't have a pen. Do you have a pen? Okay, sure, I can help you with that. Yeah. Here you go. Thank you. And, and Deb, I want you to mark that uh, on yours as well, because I'm going to have both of you to okay. learn that definition of love. Love toward another is a willingness to give to him whatever you have that he needs because you know that God wants you to. Yes, mark that. Okay. So both of you, and I've got it on your homework sheet here for next week. I want you to be able to quote that statement for me. Okay. So next week at one point I'm going to say, Deb, what does it mean for you to love Trey? And I want you to be able to say, love to love Trey means I give to him what he needs that I have because God wants me to. And then, and before we leave this section, I want you to remember you can act loving even when you don't feel like it. Right. Because it's primarily an action. Okay, we're back to you. Next sentence. Um, Well, I had the. The stuff that Trey just read, so I'll read my next one. All right. And that was, everywhere in the Bible, God commands us to love. And I did that because um, because it's commanded, it's not something that I have the choice. It's not, well, if you feel like it, do it. God commands it. And then it says, everywhere in the Bible, God commands us to love. So it's something that he obviously takes very seriously, because he wouldn't have said it everywhere. Right. So... Okay, Trey, next. Um, well, the next one was kind of along those lines, um, but I guess it was um, encouraging that if love were not, if love were a feeling first, it couldn't be commanded. And that just follows up on the logic that he's been laying out so far. Yeah, very good. Okay. Uh, I have that one too, so I'll stick it to my next one. There is great hope since God commands love. He never commands anything of his children that he does not supply both the directions and the power to achieve. And um, I highlighted that one because of the hope that it talks about, that God enables us to do things that he commands. And even when it seems like, it feels like it's just impossible to do it, God enables you to do it anyway. You need to believe that by faith and then put your faith into action by acting loving toward him even when he's not being lovely and you toward her when she may be frustrating the fire out of you. I mean, you can you can still choose to act loving. And that's a very important concept. The scriptures never command our emotions. It always commands our actions. 
But when we do what God tells us to do, the emotions follow. Mm-hmm. So, good sentences. All right, Trey, back to you. Um, well, he hits on this, this whole idea of forgiveness. Um, and that's not the next thing that I've got marked, but I, I think of what remains that was um, really something that jumped out on me, that... Um, Forgiveness is not a feeling first either, that it's fundamentally a promise. And I, I never thought about forgiveness in these terms, but when you forgive someone else, you're promising to do three things about his wrongdoings. You promise, I shall not use them against you in the future, I shall not talk to others about them, and I shall not dwell on them myself. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'd never thought about those three things being involved when you're talking about forgiveness. What would, what would have been your understanding of forgiveness? Um, huh. Certainly not as complete as that. Um, only being able to forgive somebody when you don't feel negatively toward them. And um, it's almost like if somebody were to ask you to forgive them, you'd kind of have to do this soul-searching to figure out whether or not you really felt like it or not. And according to this, that's not it at all. It's promising that you're not going to bring it up to them anymore, yourself anymore, or uh, anybody else. Um, that's new. Yeah. Did you mark any sentences in that section, Deb? On forgiveness? Yes. Yes, I did. I marked um, actually what he marked and then down towards the bottom of that same page I put even the faith that you have is enough to work wonders if you will only exercise it in obedience. Mm-hmm. Now, let me, let me just uh, take a pause here. What's being talked about right now in, in the pamphlet is really critical to your long-term change and growth and your long-term unity. Uh, Think of it this way. Learning how to confess sin. None of us are perfect. You sin against him. You sin against her. I sin against my wife. We may be trying to think and act biblically, but we still end up sinning. Okay. We hope we end up sinning less, but none of us are going to be perfect till we get to heaven. Confessing sin to the people we've sinned against admitting what we've done wrong and confessing our sin and asking for their forgiveness and receiving forgiveness as it's defined in the pamphlet, as it's explained from the scriptures, is the oil that keeps the machinery of human relationships running. Mm. Hmm. If you were to take oil out of an engine, what would happen, Trey? I'd burn up. Absolutely. And that's what happens with relationships where there's not a confessing of sin a willingness to say, I did wrong. I, I hurt you. I sinned against you. Not just against God, but against you. I admit it. I confess it to you. Would you please forgive me? And then the person granting forgiveness, and by granting forgiveness it means I won't bring it up to use it against you mm-hmm. again. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about it, including my family or the people at work. And when my mind gets to dwell, thinking about it, I'll take steps to get my mind off of it. But just think about what that would do in your relationship Think what that would do to, to help cut out these arguments. Mm-hmm. What that would do to bring a level of peace and harmony to your home if each of you was willing, when you sin, to humble yourself and admit it. And say, I did wrong before God and before you. Would you please forgive me? And then for the other one to say, honey, I forgive you. It's done. Mm-hmm. Can, can you get just a little bit of a glimpse <laughs> of what that would do in your relationship? Yeah. See? Now, because this is so important, I'm going to ask you to learn that three point definition of what forgiveness is. Okay. And you notice I'm having you, uh, of course, you're you're reading a pamphlet. You notice I'm having you to learn things and be ready to quote them. Right. Here's the reason for that. Look at me for just a moment. The battleground for lasting change in your lives and in your marriage is between your ears. If you don't change the way you think, you won't change long term. 
And, and so that's something that I had a question about uh, because you know uh, that third step there. I shall not dwell on them myself. Um, I guess I've always thought that I really uh, I, I don't have much ability to control what goes on inside of my head. That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. And later in some of our future sessions. Um, I'm going to show you how to discipline your mind, to discipline your thinking for the purpose of godliness. The Bible talks to us about over and over again about being renewed in the spirit of our mind. In fact, that's probably one of the things I'll be teaching you next week in our in our next session. But as we move along, I'm going to teach you how to think. I mean, I, I will tell you right now, I'm after your mind for your benefit and for the glory of God. Because if you don't change the way you think, you won't change long term. So that explains why I'm always, in all my homework assignments, you'll notice he's having us to read the Bible because the Bible tells us how to think. He's having us memorize key verses so that they're always with us, whether we're driving or mowing the yard or at the grocery store, we can think biblically. That's why he's going over booklets with us and asking us to memorize key phrases and key definitions because I want you to learn how to think Christianly. Yeah. And as you do that, you'll be taking significant steps toward long-term change and growth. You, it will make you a different man and you a different woman. And when we've got a different man and a different woman, we got a different marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. So that's why, back to your statement earlier, Dad, that's why there's great hope for you folks. Because Jesus Christ gave us his word to teach us how to think. And the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. You both are professing Christians. That means the Holy Spirit will help you with this. Any questions about what I've just said? Um, I I do have a question, and I don't know if this is something you want to get to now or later. But yeah, but, but well, before we, is it what yes. I I'm, I'm interested? Did what I just what yes, I just explained? You just said made sense. Okay. That's what you're did asking. I make? Was I clear? Yes. You both yes. Okay. Yes. Would you summarize what you just heard me say? That um, we have hope because God enables us to control our minds and control our thinking. And out of that right thinking, we should be able to um, do right actions in that pleases God. And what happens in our mind can please God or cannot please God. Right. Excellent. What would you add to what she just said? That because we're believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us helping us. Um, it's not like we're doing it on our own. Right. That we're uh, and he brings this up in the the pamphlet, but um, that because the Holy Spirit's within us, um, it's not like we're we need to be doing it in our own strength. That um, we're doing it with God's help. Okay, now you had a question. Yes, I did. Um, he spent some time here going over like Phil's role as the husband, and that he needs to love his wife and their scripture and stuff. And but he just starts to touch on the woman's part, and then he backs out and says, you know, go see your counselor. <laughs> so I guess I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind elaborating. No, we're, we're going to talk about uh-huh. that. And- Okay. I've got an agenda of things, and certainly the role of the husband, the role of the wife is coming. Uh, right now, I would probably see that being session uh, four or five. Okay. So it, it's, it's coming. coming. It's okay. coming. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, whose turn is it for the next sentence? Uh, I don't know. Trey, I think it's yours. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we, we kind of touched on that one. Um, well, I've got right there at the bottom of, uh, I don't know what page this is, but this side of the pamphlet, um, Paul points out that man is head of the of his home as Christ is head of the church. That means he is primarily responsible for seeing to it that there is love in the home. How did that speak to you? Um, well... That's heavy responsibility. It sure is. Um, and, I mean, the idea that love is not a feeling, I mean, it, all of this together is 
well, almost revolutionary to think about it in this way um, because that means that if if there's I guess a lack of love in our relationship I'm the one primarily at fault um, and later I'll be doing some more teaching on how to love biblically Okay, but I need to get that understanding. Good. Okay, Deb, back to you. What's your next sentence? Um, well, this is actually kind of backing up toward, to love, but when it says, um, feeling is self-centered, love focuses upon another. I guess I never thought of my feelings as being self-centered and self-focused, but they're saying that it is, and that love, well, it's like what we've been saying. Love is not a feeling. Love is me. Giving. Love is not primarily yeah, a feeling. Primarily. Feelings are involved, but it's primarily an action. I think what they wanting to draw, if people just live by their feelings, if they just do what they want to do, say what they want to say, act nice when they want to act nice, or mean when they feel like being mean, that's not, that's not a loving approach to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Biblical love is you act kindly toward people, whether you feel like it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, Christ commanded us to love our neighbor. He also commanded us to love our enemies. I mean, he sure wasn't saying feel warm toward them. Mm-hmm. But he's saying, you know, we can even be kind to people that, that are uh, treating us like we're enemies. Mm. So. Yeah, that's right. really hard and yet really freeing at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, well stated. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Trey, back to you. We should be getting close to your last uh, statement there. Yeah. I marked the comment that the husband, Phil, made when he said, I've always wanted to be the head of my home, but I've never known how to begin. Mm -hmm. Would that be true of you? Yeah. Okay. We can help you with that. Okay. Some of the way we're headed in the future will help with that. Okay, Deb, back to you. Um, that, uh, no, not really. Nothing that hasn't been Discussed. elaborated on. Okay, do you have any more? Well, this was earlier in it, but huh, the idea that uh, there's there's no way out of loving my wife because she's my wife, she's uh, my neighbor, uh, and she's... Your enemy. My en- I mean, really, if we're honest about the way we've been living, Deb's been my enemy. Right. And you may have been thinking about her in those terms yeah. at times. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and I'm commanded to love my enemy. Right. Right. And by God's grace, uh, our thinking can change. Yeah. And that's what we look forward to happening with both of you. All right. Any uh, questions for me uh, from that pamphlet before we move on? No. That was good. All right. What I would uh, like each of you to do, what I would encourage you to do, is to keep that pamphlet in your Bible, because uh, I'm going to have you reading your Bible more than you were the first time you came in here. And I think that pamphlet's the kind of literature that you can open it up every so often, and even if all you do is just glance at the sentences that you underlined, that will be helpful to you, be edifying to you. And so don't put that in a drawer where you won't see it again. Put it where it's going to keep coming up and you're going to be reminded of these truths because as, as we're seeing, some of these are new ways of thinking for you folks. Yeah. And just discussing them in here for a few minutes doesn't mean all of a sudden you've got it. Right. I mean, you've got to remind yourself of these things. Right. So whatever would work for you, plan to do that. Okay, now let's move on. Uh, I'd ask you to have uh, one date per week. And uh, Trey, you were up this week. Tell me about that. Um, well, you said we didn't have to spend money, and that's a primary concern. <laughs> it's a primary concern of mine. So um, we uh, we made dinner and went to the mall. But with the understanding that we were not going to be spending any money while we were at the mall, and uh, he came on my turf. <laughs> we uh, we ate dinner there at the mall, and um, we just kind of walked around and and talked a little bit. And uh, Deb likes looking at the puppies in the pet store, so we went to the the pet store and took one of the it was the golden retriever uh, <laughs> out and played with it a little bit. It's funny, though, the dog spent more time playing with his toys than it did even playing with us. So yeah. we kind of looked at it the whole okay. time. 
And was that a pleasant activity for you? Yeah. I mean, the, the eating at the mall and walking around and look, even though you couldn't spend money. Was that a, <laughs> was it, what, I'm try, what I'm trying to understand was, was this a pleasing date? I mean, yes. was this a positive experience for the, the marriage? Yes. It was just fun to be together in, in an environment where it just really emphasized our interaction and we weren't staring at something okay. else that... She didn't allow for us to talk. She wanted to buy the dog. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Okay, now you're up. It was cute. <laughs> um, you're up for the date this week, and uh, I want you both. Did you mark the calendar? I forgot to ask about that. Yes. Okay. So the calendar is marked. All right, that's good. And um, so each of you now should be looking ahead. And last week I kind of joked when I said about looking at the paper, but, you know, I need to be a little more serious about this week. As you read the paper, as you hear advertising for things that are coming up, um, special events and so forth, I mean, be looking ahead. And I want to encourage you to give some energy uh, to this to make your daytimes a really special time. And I think this little simple assignment has huge potential for your marriage. So... Let's look forward to some happy times together here in the weeks coming up. Okay. All right. And I'll look forward to hearing what you come up with when I talk with you next week. All right. Very good. Now, uh, I'd ask you both to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 at least three times per week to record the day and time you read and write out the most meaningful verse from each day's reading. And uh, why don't we uh, start uh, hearing about that, and uh, Trey, why don't you start us on this one? How many uh, how many times you read Matthew five, six, and seven this week? Um, well, I'll be honest, um, I didn't do such a good job on that one. Um, I, I I started it, um, didn't get all the way through it, um, but. Um, now, does that mean you did not read Matthew five, six, and seven all the way through one time, or you just you didn't read it all the way through three times? Um, no, I, I didn't get through it uh, at all. Uh, at all. Uh, I mean, I I started it, but how far did you read? Um, I read Matthew five, but it was right before bed, and I was tired. And, okay, and why didn't you get it done? Um, uh, it, uh, I was tired the night that I read it, and I was pretty busy the rest of the week, and so I didn't get it done for those reasons. Okay, and uh, how many hours of TV did you watch this week? Go, go back. I saw you on Thursday. Uh, how many time, How much TV did you watch Thursday night? Um, at CSI. Um, couple hours. Okay, and what about Friday? A couple hours. Alright, what about Saturday? Well, Saturday is when we did our date. Um, but I did, I did, I watched some during the day on Saturday. About how much? Um, I don't know, about three hours. Okay, and Sunday? I watched the game, so it was you know, about oh, three hours. Three hours. And Monday? Well, Monday, um, Monday I didn't watch much. I uh, it was about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. Okay. And Tuesday? A couple hours. And Wednesday? I probably watched three hours on Wednesday. Okay. Now, um, put together for me how much time you spent watching TV and not getting this reading assignment done. Depending on how fast you read, you're, you're a college graduate with a, 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 an MBA, so I assume you can read fairly fast. Um, most people can read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in 15 minutes. Or so. Now, help me put those together. I I put my priorities on the wrong things. I agree. 
And I think that's one area where your thinking needs to change beginning this week. Um, maybe a, 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 change, a radical change in strategy might help you. Let me just give you a little phrase to think about. No Bible, no TV. Say that with me one time, would you? No Bible, no TV. Do we need to talk about that anymore? No. Okay. Uh, Now, let me show you what I have for you that will help us to keep moving ahead next week. And um, there's nine areas that I want to touch on here, and some of this is just review, so don't be scared by the number. All right, number one, I want you to both read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 at least three times this week. Record the day and time you read and write out the most meaningful verse. This is a wonderful section of the scripture. There's so much in this passage that can help you. So read it looking for verses to help you know how to think and how to act. I want both of you to review and be ready to quote Matthew 7, 24-27. I want you to learn that passage so well that... Deb, in the middle of the night, you could reach over and shake him and say, what's Matthew 7, 24, 27? He could set up, quote a word perfectly, right back he down and go to sleep. Me. Right? So both of you work on that to get that polished out. Then the third thing I've got down is I want um, both of you uh, to do unit one in this book called Strengthening Your Marriage. Now, we're going to use this for the next several weeks. This is a fabulous book. Wonderful teaching. Look up the scriptures as you read. At the end of each unit, or uh, he calls them units, not chapters, there's uh, questions with blanks to be filled out. I've got one of these for each of you. I want you to do it individually. Complete this first unit. But after you've done it, I want you to share your answers with each other before you come back. Bring the book with you, and I want to talk with you about the areas where your answers were different. Okay. All right? Then look at number four. I want you to remember these two statements. Love is acting with another's best interest in mind. That's my definition I like to use. But I also want you to learn the definition in the pamphlet. Remember, love is giving to another. Okay, You marked it there. Be ready to quote that. Number five, I want you to learn the three-point definition of forgiveness and be ready to quote that so that when you say, I forgive you, you know that means I won't bring it up, use it against you, won't talk to other people about it, and I won't dwell on it myself. In other words, be ready to do that. Continue having one date per week. Continue to attend at least one service per week at uh, Faith Baptist Church. And next week, I'd like you to take notes on the message and be ready to come back and talk particularly about what you learned and how it applies to your life. Okay. Hear and obey. Uh, Trey, I'd like you to consider this statement. uh, No Bible, no TV. And the last one, both of you make three signs that say, hear and obey, and then post those in conspicuous places. A lot of ladies put it like at the mirror where they get ready in the morning. A lot of guys put it on the dashboard of the the truck or at the phone at work or something. But just so you hear about that. Now, does this look doable this week? It's a lot, but we will do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me lead us uh, in prayer. We call Randy Mr. Subtlety. Yeah. Um, All right, so let's think about homework. A lot of stuff to glean out of that session. But I want to think particularly about homework. So what are some of the things you learned? Uh, And just one note, and you wouldn't have caught it, because he spent about 15 minutes in the session that we cut out going over Matthew 7, 24 to 27. That was a Bible verse he'd assigned the first time. He reassigned it, um, and then um, that was part of his assignment. So one of the things that he talked about in that set, uh, as he was explaining was that the point of that passage is hear and obey. That's why he's having to make that sign. Okay, So that's connected to what his teaching was, and you didn't see that part of it. So tell me, give me some feedback. What are some of the things you're learning about homework? What's, what's driving the homework? What's he trying to accomplish in the homework? Practice. Practice. Uh, okay, help, uh, help me with what you mean by that. Yep. Yep. 
So you're wanting to help them. So she's saying um, he's helping them to practice. So taking what's being taught in the session and then showing them how to implement it. That's the beauty of counseling. So I love standing at this pulpit on Sunday mornings, but I'm scatter shooting, right? When I'm counseling from the pulpit and preaching, I've got a shotgun and I'm hoping that some of the pellets hit somebody somewhere. <laughs> That's not really said right, but you know what I mean. When I'm counseling, I've got a rifle with a scope and I'm targeting some specific things in their lives. And that's, that's what I love about counseling because you're, you're in the nitty gritty of a person's life and you can take that lesson and you're working that passage directly to their problem. You're connecting that passage to their problem and giving them some things to do to begin working on their end of the sanctification process. Um, so that's that's golden. Good. That's great. What else? I'm sorry. So he's giving. Yeah. So he's he's putting everything in a framework of God's definition. This is the way God defines it. So he took some time to expand on love. Um, and helping them understand what, what biblical love is like and what biblical forgiveness is like. And we're putting it in a biblical framework. Excellent. Yes, ma'am. Cindy. So, um, he's getting them to realize that they can't control their thinking and the thinking they're yeah. giving to them is, is all godly based on scripture. Yeah. And that's going to change their attitude. Yeah. Did you get that statement? I think, I think there was some uh, laughter at that one, right? I'm after your mind. Yeah. But he's exactly right. Honestly, that's, that's everything we're doing. I mean, we're, we're Bible-saturated around here. Everything we do is connected to the Bible in some way. And, and we make no apology for that because the Bible is the change agent, a change agent. And so we are after their minds. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, so did you notice what else he did? So Trey brings that statement up about the leadership and the fact that he's never been the leader in the home. And then Randy takes that and he just, this is the, this is the bullet and the rifle thing. He just personalized it to him and he asked the question, um, is that true of you? Now, in a session, I, I, I don't think he did it here. In a session, I would even go further than that and say, in what ways do you not lead her well? And then I might even turn to her and say, give me two ways he does lead well and give me two ways that he struggles to lead well. So I'm asking some specific information. That's stuff I need to know so that I can help point them in a different direction. Because I can say, well, I don't lead well. But the way I lead, the way I lead poorly and the way Danny leads poorly might be two very different things. I want to make sure that I'm not imposing my problems on his problems. So I need, I need some more data on there. But he was, you know, for the brevity of that situation, you, uh, that video, you need to condense it down. But that, that's where he's going with that. Excellent. What else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I always, I always, 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 without exception, give a memory verse. What did you think about the length of that memory verse? Matthew seven twenty four to 27. Long, short, medium, good? Medium? Honestly, I think it's too long. It's long. And it's not an easy one. Um, so that one, I might do one or two verses and see how they do. Did you notice that he repeated it? Why? Make sure they learned it. The goal is not, well, let's assign it and move on if they didn't get it. No, I, if, if it's worth learning, it's worth learning. And if they're not going to get it, we reassign it. Um, I'll have counselees sometimes even where we're meeting only every two or three weeks, uh, which is a rarity that tends to happen as we're tapering off. And sometimes they come back after two weeks and they don't memorize one verse. Okay, let's do it again. 
Why? Because I'm, I've got a goal with that memory verse. I'm wanting them to do something with it. Um, and one of the things I do when I'm counseling as well is I'm always looking for a connection to doing something. So I will, I will take a memory verse and say, in a general term, I'll ask, how did that verse help you this week? Give me a specific instance when that verse came to mind and it changed what you did. And after the 14th time of our meetings, they're getting the idea. He's going to ask me. I better be thinking about that, right? So we want to help them connect the verse to what they're doing. Okay, let me interject here. You've brought up thinking. You've brought practice. Every homework assignment, when I'm working with a counselor, I'm helping them evaluate their homework by asking the question, is it thinking or doing? And so I make them go through all of their assignments and they put either a T or a D next to it, thinking or doing. Because I want them to think. I'm after their minds. They've got to change. But they've got to not only change their mind, they've got to change what they're doing because of what they're learning. Where do you think we tend to default? Thinking or doing? Oh, that's a mixed bag. Interesting. In my experience, um, most of us tend to default to thinking. And that's good. We want to think. But we tend to end up doing more thinking. And, and the person doesn't see clearly the connection to what they're doing. And I want to help them see that connection. So I just went through Randy's homework. He had nine things. Um, Bible reading, Matthew 5 to 7. Thinking or doing? That's thinking. It's all about the mind, right? So, I mean, I've got to open the Bible, but it's not an action. It's not, I'm not applying, I'm not working out what I'm learning, right? So it's a thinking. It's a transforming the mind. Bible memory, thinking. Strengthening your marriage and then talking about it. Thinking and doing, right? So I'm doing the Bible study. That's thinking, that's transforming. But, and this is a great thing he did. He said, I want you to talk about it together. So that's giving them companionship time, fellowship time, and it's also helping them to raise problems and start addressing problems on their own, right? So that's, that's, that's both thinking and doing. Memorizing definition of love? Thinking. What I will do is I'll say, I want you to make a list of 25 ways to love your spouse. Oh, pastor, I can't think of that. Okay, 25, do the best you can. Bring it back with you next week. I want to see a copy of it. Okay. And the next week we read through the list. Hey, that's great. Did you get 25? I got 23. I I got close. Okay. Draw a line under 23. Next week, 25 more. (laughs) Promise I do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wayne Mack came up with a list, I think 103. And they're pretty generic. I want them just thinking. There are ways that I can love my spouse. And then I say... Memorize the definition of love and do three things, two things, three things for your spouse that you normally don't do that evidence love for them. So if you normally wash the dishes after dinner, it doesn't count. Keep washing dishes, but it doesn't count. Uh, if you never take out the garbage, then volunteer to take out the garbage. That's an act of love, right? And then come back and tell me next week. So that would be a thinking and doing. The way he did it, that's just thinking. Um... Memorize a three-point definition of forgiveness. Thinking or doing? Thinking, but it's going to become doing. He's setting the table, right? So right now it's thinking. It's going to become doing. Um, Date. Doing. Uh, Continue worshiping and making notes on the sermon. Doing and thinking, right? So he's taking notes. What, how does a sermon, what's one thing I can take from this sermon that can, that I can implement and change this week? That's a, that's a thinking as well as a doing. No Bible, no TV. <laughs> that's a doing. Um, three signs, hear and obey. That's both thinking and doing. As I went through that list, Randy is dominantly thinking. Um, and, I love Randy. So, you know, he's, he's, he's striking close to a good balance. But I think we just need to be careful. We want the mind. The renewal of the mind enables us to put off and put on. So you've got to grab the mind. That's first. But you've got to help people see the connection between what they're thinking and what they're doing. We don't just want a theology lesson. We want them thinking. Okay, what else? I had a question. Yeah, question. Um, so, 
the the uh, tray was. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of one of my things that I was going to talk about, and I, I don't know, we'll get to it. But how did he control the session? How many of you guys are doing any counseling? Okay, so a handful of you. How many of you have an hour time limit if you're counseling? Do you have an hour? How often? Do you, how often do you stick to an hour? Yeah. Okay. When you're working with a couple, it's really hard, right? I met with a couple the other day, and I was so proud of myself. We were going to finish right at an hour, and then at minute fifty-eight, a question came up, and I promised I was another half hour. Um, it's really hard to stick in an hour. And so what he's trying to do, he's controlling the session. And I thought what he did beautifully was he did not minimize what was going on, but he's giving out hope and saying, I have a plan. I know where I'm going. I've got an agenda. So you've got a question about roles. That's coming in session. I don't remember what he said, four or five, right? And that's coming. The issue about love and forgiveness, those things are coming. So what he's doing, he's just sowing seeds, and um, even in the homework, right? So he's having them memorize forgiveness, but he's not having them do anything about it yet. Why? Because he hasn't taught them yet. But he's he's building on that. So I think there's a lot of lesson to be learned about how to control the session so that you can maintain um, maintain the time frame. And it's not just a matter of, well, I need to get out of there. Um, and I've got another couple coming. I mean, that 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 is an issue. Um, but you know, the old saying: the, the the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure. And honestly, I've been in the counseling room enough that anything beyond an hour and a half, you're about done. You 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 might as well just pack it in. It's just you've lost them. So he, um, I think he does a masterful job of controlling. Now that being said, honestly. <laughs> I never have sessions go the way Randy has them go with Trey and Deb. They just don't operate that way. There's way too many variables, and you tend to get off course. So it really becomes a wisdom decision about, am I going to pursue that thing? Is today the day to talk about that, or should I hold it? And sometimes I'll engage in it that day just because I can just see this is critical. And other days, I'll just say, you know what? We're going to hold that. Sometimes I'll reference it. Sometimes I won't. You're, you're data gathering all the time. And so you're going to pull stuff up and you're going to say, ooh, that's information. You can't trace every bunny. So you've got to pick wisely. And generally, I have clearly in my head, and I would encourage you to do this. After the first session, I make a list of all the things that I'm seeing in their lives. And I try and roughly prioritize them. Typically, I've got a list of six to eight issues. And then from that list, I'm making a list of passages and themes about things that I want to work into their lives, Bible verses, that kind of stuff. And then I prioritize that. And so I have, from the first session on, a pretty clear idea of where I'm going in my agenda. And so if things come up in sessions, I can say, well, I can deviate now because it's pressing, and sometimes I will. But most often I'll say, I could deviate, except I know I'm going to cover that three or four weeks from now. And it's not so urgent that I can't wait. So having a clear agenda, as Randy very definitely does, is really helpful for for helping you determine whether or not you're going to deviate or whether you're going to stay the course. That's a great question. In the back. I have a question about the homework, but it seems to me it seems like a lot. Okay, I was wondering. My inclination is I would think I would want to get less to ensure that you do it. Yep. Maybe there's a reason that the homework would be better. Yeah, so... You're going to have to evaluate. Every counselee is different. So some counselees come in with a college degree and an MBA and have their noses rubbed in it um, when they don't do the reading. Um, But you have to determine, is this person a reader or not? Um, and, And then assign it accordingly. 
for a first shot out of the box, I think having a, having someone read nine chapters if they've not been reading their Bible at all is pretty aggressive. Um, I will generally, here's, here's what I do. I'm thinking I want somebody reading and praying their Bible six days a week. Because I'm a realist, I know they're going to miss at least one. I have a built-in off day in my Bible reading plan. I, I don't read on Saturdays. I'm prepping for Sunday on Saturday afternoon, so I'm in the Word then. But as far as just having a, a, a reading time, I don't read on Saturdays because Saturday is my wife's day. And so we get up, we have an agenda in the morning, almost always on Saturday morning, and that is for her. And I want her to know she's first. She gets, she gets my absolute best that day. I mean, she gets that every day, but particularly Saturday. Um, I want her to know she's queen. Um, and that just means I'm not going to have time. We want to sleep a little bit later and enjoy a little bit of rest, a little coffee in the morning. And so I'm, I, that's built into my schedule. It's built into my schedule. I want to give others a latitude as well. So six days a week. And so what I do, Matthew 5 to 7, twice. And I tell them, I want you to read every day a little bit. So don't read Matthew 5 to 7 twice on Tuesday night, knowing you're coming to see me on Wednesday. The goal is Matthew 5 one day, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, right? So I'm typically looking for sections that divide that nicely. Um, Here's another tip, and Randy wasn't explicit about it. I am when I give homework. I'm always orienting around the spiritual disciplines. Because when they leave, I want them to have cultivated habits that they can carry on. So when I'm assigning homework, I put in bold the spiritual discipline and then in regular typeface what I'm wanting them to do. It always starts Bible memory, Bible reading, and then I typically have questions assigned to the Bible reading that I want them to answer. Sometimes I'll have them do worksheets that they'll fill out on their own about the Bible reading. Um, Then I have prayer, I have corporate worship, and I have service. Um, And sometimes I'll have Bible study. So if I have some additional Bible study I want them to do or some additional reading, that falls under that category. What are all those things? They're all Bible intake, Bible, Bible prayer, worship, service. Those are all spiritual disciplines. And I want them to cultivate those habits. So... Is nine a little bit much? Perhaps. Honestly, a lot of those things weren't really very big, right? It's put the put the three signs out: hear and obey, um, meditate on no Bible, no or yeah, no Bible, no TV, right? Um, but everything else was pretty much what you would want a normal Christian to do. I had one lady one time. I I can't even remember what I signed to read, and I said. Um, did you did you do your Bible reading this week? Um, well, no, I didn't get that done. Well, um, did you read anything at all? Well, I, I read one day. Okay, great. What'd you read? Well, um, on my on my phone, um, I have a a Bible verse that's a screensaver, and one day I read that Bible verse. So we had a conversation, not unlike what Randy did to Trey. Right, because there's time, and it, what that's telling you is it's not a priority. It's not that she can't. Uh, it's not a priority. So I'm orienting all those things around the spiritual disciplines. That being said, I mean, we we do have to give latitude for there are some people who are readers, some people who take it in quickly, some people who take it in easily, and some people who struggle with it. I've had lots of people say, "Hey, Pastor, I know what I need to do. I'm just not a reader." Uh, I get it. Um. But our faith is word-based. And you got to read. Now, there are a lot of diff- lots of different ways to take it in. Use, use you version, you know, where the Bible can read to you while you're driving. Great. That's, that's fair. I, I, let them, I let them do that. Um, have your wife read to you at night when you're going to bed. You know, that's companionship as well as Bible reading. But you need, you need to take the word in. That's non-negotiable. So does that answer your question about the nine? I mean, the nine, and he said, it sounds like a lot, but just hear me out, it's really not that bad. Um, and it really wasn't. Yes, ma'am. How am I, uh, Deb, if Deb had not done the 
<laughs> you know what I love about that? I mean, we all laughed, right? Did he accuse Trey of anything? He just asked questions. Very matter-of-factly, he was under control. He wasn't agitated. He wasn't irritated. Just tell me. And he let the data convict him. And, I mean, he's just over there squirming, right? He's doing this. Do we need to talk about it anymore? No. <laughs> just love that. I think he'd have done the same thing. I know Randy well enough to know he would have done the same thing. Um, and it just really made the point without being heavy-handed about it. Um, it was really clear, uh, not heavy-handed. Yeah. Did you notice how much of the homework was repetitive? The same Bible memory verse, the same Bible reading, continue having a date, continue in worship. And that's not unusual. A lot of times we're, we're helping the counselee to get a new habit. And so we want them to cultivate that habit, and that takes repetition. Uh, okay, we're just about out of time, so let me let me just give you a couple of things uh, that maybe we haven't done yet. One, um, and I learned this from Randy. It didn't come out in this session, but but Randy taught this to me when he was supervising me years ago. Assign homework with the end in mind. So, what do you want your counselee to look like when you're finished with him? And let your homework assignments feed that. So whatever your goal is for him spiritually, that's what the homework ought to look like to help him attain that. So help uh, assign homework with the end in mind. Um, so give homework incrementally. We've kind of alluded to that. Give homework incrementally. So you, you're not going to be able to teach everything every session, but you can start building and working towards things. That's what was going on with the forgiveness and love statements that he asked them to um, go over. All homework, if you're going to give homework, you got to check on it. If you give homework and you don't check on it, they're not going to do it. So if you, if you expect it, then inspect it. So if you're saying, do this, if you go to worship and you never ask him, were you in worship? Then what you're really subtly telling him is, well, you ought to do this, but I really don't care. And so you want to want to make sure that you're inspecting everything that you're asking them to do, which is one reason it took him some time to get through the homework. Um, homework is going to also reveal levels of commitment. So if they keep coming back and the reading's not done, the reading's not done, the reading's not done, I mean, you would expect after what happened today that next week Trey's going to have his reading done. Uh, he may or he may not. Um but it's going to reveal, after, after a month, you're going to know, are they all in, are they kind of in, or are they out? Homework isn't going to tell you whether you have a counselee or not. Just because they show up doesn't mean you have a counselee. You only have a counselee when they're working. And if they're not working, you don't have a counselee. And at some point you say, you know what, you're not engaged in the process. I know what the waiting list is like. I've got to move on. And call me, call me back when you're interested in working. Uh, and you, you say that a little more tactfully than I just said it, but that's um, that's where we want to be. Um, he spent a lot of time on Jay Adams' pamphlet. Anybody um, it was the better part of a half hour? Did that strike anybody as a little bit unusual? No. One of the things we're doing. I use a lot of supplemental reading, supplemental audio. Audio sermons are great. Um, for helping people with various things. And it, it comes alongside. So I'm going to be teaching in the session. Um, I go through homework a little bit faster than Randy did. Um, I try and do it in 15 or 20 minutes, and then I want about a half hour to teach. Randy had about a half hour of homework and 15 minutes of teaching. And I would, in generally, I, I'm going to try and flip that. Um, and we're using the supplemental teaching. A lot of times, I don't spend a ton of time on that. I'll just ask him, do you have any questions about that? What did you learn? And then we're moving on. I just want another another voice speaking into their lives, and I'm using the um, supplemental reading and audio to accomplish that. Um, but with him being so extensive and asking questions about that pamphlet, he's also discerning where are they. So it's, a, it's an opportunity for him to gather more data on where they are spiritually.
Okay? Um, homework is just critical. Um, you can, I mean, that, that's where the change is going to take place with your counselee. So you're going to want to give a lot of attention to it. And I thought there was a lot of good stuff in that session to help us think about how to do homework, assign homework, and check on homework. Okay, and my homework is to pray and let you guys go. Thanks, Father, for this weekend and for uh, these dear people and for the privilege of sharing these hours together around Christ and the Word of God. And we trust that they will be uh, further equipped through this weekend, encouraged um, that they would learn uh, more delight in Christ and more delight in serving your people and be better equipped to help serve your people and care for your people. Uh, Guide them as they go home from this place uh, today and then as they begin preparing for worship in the morning. Might their hearts be attuned to Christ to come and give glory to Him and satisfaction to Him and find satisfaction in Him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.